ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. Decisions a decision, you know. You either accept it or you don't. I've always been in the camp, you accept it. Trust me, in 26 years I've had plenty of bad ones. I've had plenty that have fallen in my favour. It is what it is. That's Tottenham boss Ange Postacoglu defending the referees after his side was on the end of two red cards in a chaotic 4-1 loss to Chelsea. The defeat was the Australian manager's first in the Premier League with Spurs and, in a funny way, almost tells us more than his array of victories. There was the employment of kamikaze tactics despite playing two men down. There was the support of match officials despite a case to be made against them. Was this principles grounded in naivety or another exhibition in culture building? How might a defeat help further shape Andrew's tenure? I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily. Daniel Garvey is a football journalist who has covered Ange Postacoglu at a World Cup. He's worked in the English Premier League. This is his wheelhouse. Garvey, can you do your best to sum up the sprawling madness that we saw this morning between Tottenham and Chelsea? Yeah, well, it's a big London derby first and foremost. Spurs have got a lot of momentum behind them, so they fancy themselves at home. Chelsea are trying to rediscover what they once were amidst a fortune of money spent and a, and a very stuttering start to the Mauricio Pochettino campaign. And yeah, Tottenham struck first. Lusevsky will shoot with his left foot, maybe, or he's ended up in the back of the net. A lucky goal for Spurs. It's a goal for Spurs. That was promising for them, and then mayhem ensued, and a couple of red cards followed. Spurs were down to 10 men before halftime. Chelsea had equalised. They lost another man, Spurs, but continued to, to play that way. I mean, Ange Postacoglu will not sacrifice his style no matter what situation. That was evident yet again. It's just who we are, mate. It's just who we are. It's who we're going to be till, uh, as long as I'm here. So that made the game fascinating. Uh, for a while, it looked as if Spurs might hang on for a point. Uh, Chelsea managed to pull away late on, but... Uh, yeah, Tottenham didn't lose any fans, that's for sure, when you consider the way in which they went about it. Uh, what they have lost, though, is a few key players through suspension and injuries. And so this hurdle, the speed bump, the tumult, whatever you'd like to phrase it as, has come now for Ange. And we knew it would at some stage. And how he gets through this is going to be fascinating once more in this uh, enthralling Australian sporting story. I think what's really interesting is how Ange Postacoglu might use this adversity to his benefit. Let's start with the high line. Can you explain why pundits like former England player Joe Cole are in a bit of a lather about Ange Postacoglu's high line defence? Well, it's certainly daring and it's risky. And I guess when you go down to, to nine men or even 10 men, it's natural that critics are going to ask why. Why are you still playing that way? If we got 20 of the world's top coaches in a room and said, right, give them a, a, a thought um, process, said, like, you're down to nine men, you're still in the game, how, give me a tactics how to play it. None of them would have done what Ange done. We've praised Ange, and rightly so, because he's, he's been amazing. But I think tonight, I think he got it wrong. Quite often we see teams in, in those situations sit back deep, um, get a, what they call a low block, where you basically park the bus in front of your own 18-yard box and just hope that you hold out the opposition uh, by the time the full-time whistle hits and you escape with a point. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's quite common. And in that situation, it might be successful. And there's probably some Spurs fans thinking, well, why didn't we do that? Why not just try and eke out with a point and then play our own way 
when we have our full catalogue of players. You know, in the infancy of his time at Spurs, Ange is set on making sure the mentality and the philosophy about the the way he wants to play is set in. And they're still in the early stages. And so he's not going to compromise that now. He's not going to change it now. Not when he's told his players, you play my way no matter what the situation and I'll cop the blame if things go wrong. He's not then going to change it 10 games in. And to be honest, he probably wouldn't change it at any time in his tenure. We'll go down to five minutes, mate. We'll have a crack. If they're trying to hang on in the last 10 minutes for a trophy in a cup final or something like that, well, yeah, okay, maybe he'll adopt a slightly more defensive approach. But on the whole, he's going to play that way the whole way through because he knows in the long run they'll be better off for it. The message that that sends will hold them in good stead in the future. And he's very mindful of situations like that. And in that sense, it was shrewd this morning and he won more supporters than he gained detractors. I can understand the criticism or the questioning of it, but he is steadfast. And I think his Spurs team will walk away going, you know what? We're probably going to be better off overall by the end of the season by sticking to our guns. I love the idea of a bold message to the players, to the fans. This is our identity. Yeah, we might lose here, but we're building to something. And there was a similar vibe about the culture he wants to build around the assessment of referees. This was a combustible game, as you touched on. And a manager could be forgiven for leveraging that. You blame the officials. What was the point he chose to make about the refereeing in this game instead? Well, I think it's just a sensible approach. And he said, I'm not going to sit here and criticise the referees. No, I've already said that, you know, that's whatever decision they've made. made. At some point, we've got to accept the referee's decision. You know, that's how I grew up. Yeah. He didn't say whether they made the right decision or the wrong decision. He just said, that's the decision and we have to cop it. And look, his frustrations might get the better of him from time to time as well. He copped a yellow card during the game, but there was no arguing back afterwards. He just accepted it and, and on they went. And, you know, this season has been the combustible is the right term in regards to managers and referees. Jurgen Klopp's had a, a huge crack at the officials. Liverpool were very hard done by in that situation, but he made calls for a replay, which were extreme. And then just yesterday in the Premier League, Mikel Arteta um, completely lambasted the officials after Arsenal were hard done by. Because it's not a goal. For many reasons, it's not a goal. For more than one reason, at least, it's not a goal. And it's too much at stake here. We put so much effort. It's so difficult to compete at this level. And it's an absolute disgrace. Again, I feel embarrassed. I've been more than 20 years in this country. And this is nowhere near the level to describe this as the best league in the world. I am sorry. I think Ange sees the moment as well. And he realised that a correction needs to be made. And, and he's very quick on his feet in that sense. And him adding more fuel to the fire doesn't help him, doesn't help the league. And uh, he probably, without necessarily this being his intention, you know, garners a lot more support and favour by having or taking the moral high ground. But I think that's just how he feels. I think it's so hard for a referee to, to, to officiate these days. Their, their authority is just constantly getting diminished. Overall, they're going to make mistakes, just like Ange makes mistakes, just like players do, other managers do, etc. There's no point sitting there crying about it in the manner in which uh, some of the managers are right now. And uh, once again, his perspective and approach to situations is so incredibly refreshing for everyone in English football. Let me play devil's advocate for just a moment. And I'm really interested in the through line to Mikel Arteta, you know, Arsenal, Tottenham's bitter rival. The cynic might argue this is managerial deflection 101. You get to clip your rival, 
plays well to the base while taking the high ground and everyone talks about a broader issue, i.e. VAR, officiating, respect for officials, rather than a 4-1 loss to a London rival who had been to this point faltering. Yeah, and that's a fair view to take. Quite often people would say when managers hit out at referees, they're just trying to deflect. So if you're actually accepting the referee's decision, it's the opposite of that. But yes, there's no doubt that Ange's comments came in the wake of Mikel Arteta's heavy criticism of the officials, and and that might have been in the back of his mind as well. I've never, and I never will, talk to a referee about the rules of the game. I don't think necessarily to give one back to his rivals. I think it's more about this is getting out of control and other managers are going too hard at referees. I'm going to take a stand here. I don't know if it was so much about deflection. I think it was more about him just trying to correct a situation that's getting out of control. Ange has spoken at length, as you touched on, about the inevitable bumps in the road. And this one also comes with injuries and suspensions, as you mentioned. How is that going to impact this team as they prepare for what is a crucial month of fixtures that's going to culminate with a clash against you know, the equivalent of footballing stormtroopers, Manchester City and Pep Guardiola's men? It will affect them hugely. I mean, we knew this would come at some stage. It's come suddenly and rapidly with a heavy toll. So he's lost his two first-choice centre-backs, Romero with a red card. He plays the ball, but the follow-through is physical, it's aggressive. And there it is. Oh, it's more than that. It's a red card. Oh, what twists and turns we're having here at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium tonight. So he misses three games. Van der Ven's done a bad hamstring. He pulled up suddenly. That could be two months out. And this has gone from bad to worse. Probably one of the quickest players in the Premier League. Van der Ven, and he knows he's got to be quick because of Jackson. That's gone there. Yeah, he's, he's pulled his enemy without question. So that's going to be difficult for him to manage. Adogi, the left back, has been a really important part of his start to life as a Premier League manager. He's out as well with the red card. Udogi, oh! And the Tottenham going to go down to nine men. They are... So that's going to hurt him in the next game. And then James Madison, who's been his best player and an incredible signing to start uh, his Spurs tenure, went off with an ankle injury. It didn't seem too serious, but he could be out for next week as well. So they've got Wolves away um, and they've got City coming up. They do have an international break in the meantime, which might help them get one or two of those players back an extra week off. Yeah, but then the City game is going to be tough. This was always going to happen. I think anyone who was labelling Spurs as a, as a title candidate had done so rather too early. It's always a matter of getting through to the end of the Christmas period and then seeing where a team's at before you make that call because things can change rapidly. And I think they will for Spurs now. I can see them dropping back a little bit. But if they're still in the mix for the Champions League um, come you know, the Easter part of the season, if you like, that is still way ahead of, of any expectations that Spurs fans had. And you know what? Tottenham fans will be calm about this period, knowing it's difficult because they're simply loving life under their new manager. In a funny way, I feel like we've learned more about Ange Postacoglu and his Tottenham side in defeat than we have in his array of previous victories. Daniel Garb, thanks so much for your time. Thanks, Pat. Headlines. Without a fight has won the 163rd Melbourne Cup, becoming the first horse since Ethereal in 2001 to do the Melbourne Cup Caulfield Cup double.
What about jockey Mark Zara? He won last year on Gold Trip, but switched mounts here to ride without a fight to victory. Elite in front, but without a fight, is running on right down the centre of the track. Without a fight, up to absurd bow and declare and Shiraz the bolter. It's without a fight. A hundred metres to go. Two or three lengths in front, coming away from Shiraz and also Sulcum. Without a fight, Mark Zara, a Melbourne Cup champion, wins it by two lengths. Second in the race was Sulcum. Third, Shiraz. The Irish-bred horse was trained by Aussie father-son duo Anthony and Sam Friedman. We've had another spirit of cricket moment at the ODI World Cup. And I don't mean a good one. Sri Lanka's Angelo Matthews became the first player in 146 years to be timed out at international level. What does that mean? I'm glad you asked. So a batsman has to take strike within two minutes of coming out to bat. Matthews reached the crease in time, but his helmet strap broke and he called for a new lid. By the time one arrived, he'd exceeded his time limit and Bangladesh captain Shakib Al-Hassan appealed and he was given out. Here's Matthews on that moment. And I don't know where the common sense went uh, because obviously it's obviously disgraceful from uh, Shakib and Bangladesh if they want to play cricket like that. Obviously, stooped down to that level, I think there's something wrong um, drastically. And he is Al Hassan returning serve. Yeah, I mean, one of our fielder came to me and said, if you appeal, uh, the law says he's out because he uh, hasn't taken his guard within the time frame. Then I appealed to the umpire. Umpire told me whether you're going to call him back or not. You know, if I said he's out, then you call him back. It doesn't look good. I said, I don't call him back. You know, we played under 19 together World Cup. So I know Angelo for a long, long time since 2006. Yeah, unfortunate, but within the rules. Doesn't sound too remorseful. Makes Johnny Bairstow's stumping look pretty tame, really. Tennis and Igor Svantec is back on top of the women's tennis rankings as she dispatched Jessica Pagula 6-1, 6-love to claim her first WTA finals crown in Cancun. The 22-year-old finishes 2023 with six titles. Impressive. I'm Patrick Stack. This is ABC Sport Daily, produced by Poppy Penny. Thanks to Optus Sport for the extra audio used in this episode. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and exclusives on the ABC Listen app.